Welcome to a Come Follow Me podcast with Brother Anderson and Brother Mickelson, just two church educators who love the gospel and love teaching it. We are different from other Come Follow Me podcasts in that we're going to take it from a teaching perspective. Each week we will brainstorm together possible approaches and ideas for teaching like we're a big podcast faculty. This is not an official production of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but we are really big fans. And here's the podcast. Check, check, check. Hey Siri, make an audio FaceTime call to Brian. All right, let's do this. Rocking and rolling. We're seven seconds in. We've wasted seven seconds. Yeah, you have. (laughs) (laughs) Woo! And they will demand it from you. Come follow the pound of flesh. (laughs) All right, you had a pretty exciting day today, apparently, huh? Uh, Not good day. Nice day. Good day. Uh, Okay. What happened? Um, It's the week. It's not the day. It's the whole week. Okay. What happened? That, that's all I really feel sharing. <laughs> it's personal. So, uh, yeah, it's just between me and my classes, all of them. So, so we, and, you know, we'll finish up tomorrow, obviously, but this week's Come Follow Me is, you know, Joe Smith History 1, 27 through 65, and DNC 2. So it's Moroni's visits, and, uh, yeah, it's Moroni's visits and other yep. stuff. I mean, you know, obtaining the plates and, and all that stuff. Yeah, as far as inoculation concerned, it was really fun to show them some artist rendition of the plates, the breastplate, the seer stones. And then I also showed them the seer stone the church has on the website. I, I, like I do every time, I asked them, how many of you don't know anything about the seer stone? And about, you know, half the hands went up. Um, the kids aren't overly familiar with it, which is fine. But I, I thought, no, let's, let's just look at the, the tools that Joseph was given in order to do his work. There's something right. about seeing an actual rock that yes. kind of maybe anchors what's going on in the story. Yeah. Now, one of the, again, the great part of that lesson is we got done with all that and said, okay, so God blessed Joseph with some instruments that will help him with his mission. What are some instruments Heavenly Father's helped you with? And it was just very easy to talk about scriptures, patriarchal blessings. Right. But then we talked about how Joseph had to grow into these. It's not like he just knew exactly how to use these things and it went smoothly from the get-go. You know, you you kind of have to learn how to use your patriarchal blessing. And it's okay to not totally know how to take advantage of it right now. We're getting there. We're learning about it. And every time you read it, you get a little better at reading it and a little better at studying it and, and maybe acting on some of the things. And anyway, that yeah. was a good conversation. But, you know, well, because, before you, oh, before yeah, you yeah. move on that, we in our family scripture study had a really good experience with the idea of a patriarchal blessing, too. So I'm just going to throw this in. The uh, in the come follow me, where the line God has a work for you to do from Moroni, mm-hmm. um, it has a great quote from President Nelson, a talk he gave back in 2016 called True Millennials, where he said, If we could just get a glimpse yeah. of how Heavenly Father uh, felt about us and what he saw about our lives, it would change our lives. And uh, and so we we had this fun little um. Like hypothetical, we imagined what pre-mortality, what our pre-mortal mission call might look like. And I, I showed my kids my, my mission mission call. And then we kind of like thought, so what do you think your pre-mortal mission call look like? You know, you were, uh, you were called to earth in the year 2007, in the case of my son. Um, you were going to be born in America, which means that you're going to have some privileges and opportunities that 
most of humanity has never experienced. You are going to be born in the covenant, which means you will have even more responsibilities as a member of Christ's true church in the last days. Um, You will be born in a family with um, six siblings. You will be the oldest in the case of my son, and uh, there will be some responsibilities there. You know, and we just kind of talked about those sort of things. And then, and then we, uh, my wife asked the question, so where do you think you guys could get a glimpse of your own life? And we talked about prayer. We talked about scripture study. And then we talked about patriarchal blessings because my oldest son is 13 mm-hmm. and a half. And so he's starting to think that way. Yeah. What, boy, when I, when I turned that into my institute lesson and did the same kind of a thing, you know, with the benefit of people who are a little bit older and had had more experience, their pre-mortal imagined mission calls were a little more fleshed out. Anyway, it was it was a fun episode. I even went in my journal and just wrote out a whole hypothetical mission call that I think, I don't know, it was edifying for me to, yeah. to no, think through cool. that. Yeah. Absolutely. That's, that's what I got. Um, <clears throat> the other thing is we just, man, we, because we're aligned with Come Follow Me, we took two days to work through DNC section two. Sweet. So like on, on yesterday, we just took half the class and literally just went word for word. What did what every word mean? What are the implications here? What da, da, da. Lots of scripture marking, lots of, you know, that stuff. Who's, That's such a short Elijah. revelation. You really yeah, exactly. can take time on each word or each yeah. phrase and compare it, to the, compare it to the one in Malachi. And why does it yep. say that differently? What does that mean? Yeah, so it was good. Then we talked about promises for participating in, in temple and family history work. And then we kind of brainstormed, so what does it look like? What, what counts? Uh, how do you know if you're doing it, you know? And yeah. <clears throat> that was fun. So today, and then we ended, we'd had about 10 minutes. So we ended with talking about journal writing and how that, you know, that's certainly part of it. And, and spent some time reading through my journals from high school and it was fun. I mean, literally belly laughing over what a dramatic m- moron I was. But <laughs> right. today we started and took 10 minutes and read about how I met Jan- like the first time Janice is mentioned in my journal up to our first kiss. And again, there's a lot of dramatic stuff and whatever. <laughs> but I got done in first hour and I had three kids say, you've convinced me. I've got to write in my journal. I want, the- I want to be able to look back at fun stuff like this in my journal and important stuff. You know, one kid pointed out, man, you were feeling the spirit every day of college. And I'm like, well, yeah, I probably was. I mean, I didn't record every day, but every two to three days. But I definitely have a record of, of what happens when you try to an- be anxiously engaged in the, the cause of Christ during college. And it it definitely was a revelatory time in my life. You know, I I don't think I was out of the ordinary by any stretch, but, but it was great to have journal proof that I had was trying to live the gospel. And even though I was falling short, Heavenly Father was very much working with me and and there was some guidance and it was and growth and it was fun. It's an amazing thing that it's a revelation to teenagers that you actually should be receiving revelation all the time. Yeah. Um, and, and Elder Bednar, you know, as we were kind of reviewing his evening with the general authority, um, not a talk. What, what would you call that last year? Uh, uh, more uh, of a question and answer. Yeah, yeah, thing. kind of a thing. He kind yeah. of demoed some things. And uh, that was one of his points was you don't gear up for revelation. You don't prepare for revelation. He's like, listen. 
You have the gift of the Holy Ghost. You should notice when the Holy Ghost leaves, not when the Holy Ghost comes. Like yeah. this should be, you know, and, and uh, teaching teenagers for a decade that that is that's a pretty consistent pattern I saw with teenagers is they're surprised that you sh- you know you ask them when's the last time you felt the spirit and they think of girls camp or girls camp or EFY last and, summer yeah. yeah something that happened dramatically um, months and months ago and anyway yeah so that's that's pretty cool now if people are listening out there and they're like well I don't keep a journal like Brian does you know um, then you know, you can repent, but also you could go to Family Search and look up journals of ancestors and yeah, do a very absolutely. similar thing. Yeah. Anyway, we're talking about something that you guys have probably already taught, um, but there's some principles, even if you're listening to ways to teach that would engage teenagers. That's why we kind of rehashed what yeah. actually happened this week versus what we planned on having happen last week. So, yeah. I mean, we used we used uh, relative, you know, find relatives around me, whatever that's called, relatives around, mm-hmm. just fun stuff to get the kids in the app. And it's, well, it's a skill based teaching. Um, yeah. That's that's something we ought to be doing too. We ought to look at our classes like a workshop and show kids things. I took my institute students to Joseph Smith Papers. I wanted them to see, look at what we have available to us. It's pretty cool. We're not anywhere near Salt Lake City out here, so we can't go look at the actual revelation or the actual journal um, entry of Joseph Smith's 1832 First Vision account. But yeah, we can because there's a digital high-resolution image on a website for free, and we could be little historians, you know? And so... I love that you you showed them some skills and and uh, and we'll do that a little bit with this today because when you're going through the doctrine and covenants, if you don't use the resources that they've given you and come follow me, you're crazy yeah. because there has never been more. Uh, help with context and and history and backstories like we have um, with these revelations now yeah. and come follow me and they're all linked. It's just easy to get you know, to the them. Be- the beginning of every other dispensation is still really murky for us because oh, we yeah. just don't have records. We have a couple paragraphs about Moses, a couple paragraphs, and about they're kind of weird. They're like full and, of and stuff. And they're kind of weird, and yeah. we're pr- probably not translated right. We have so much of the beginning of this dispensation that it's almost overwhelming and endless. Yeah. It's you know, and that, but that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it could be overwhelming, or you could just be curious and just pick a few things a that thing. interest pick you and go yep. for it. Yeah. So let's talk about this coming up week. We've got uh, Doctrine and Covenants three through five. This is a very interesting period. We get the earliest recorded revelation section three is well i guess section two is the early earliest but but it's kind of a quote i don't know if you count it section three is the first time joseph smith sits down and writes in the name of the lord through the yerman thummim or whatever um as a prophet and a revelator and uh it's an interesting first revelation because he gets his he gets his butt chewed (laughs) yeah yeah it's not like he's being congratulated on the job well done (laughs) yeah not at all not at all and so you know the the context is great if you if you again go to the come follow me app and uh, you click on the historical resources it's kind of at the the bottom of the first section but before you get into the individual and family hints or whatever they call it historical resources and it'll show you that if you go to saints uh volume one chapter five and you can even click on it, it'll take you right to the section. You can learn about what's going on that led up to what happens in section three. And of course, it's the famous lost 116 pages episode. Which we, you know, we actually have, I'm always surprised at how much information we have about those 116 pages so that you could do a few minutes on, we do know some stuff or at least we We do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, have you read Don Bradley's the lost 116 pages? No, not the whole book. It's super interesting. Um, and you know, you gotta, he's got to rely pretty 
pretty heavily on that interview with Joseph Smith Sr. And what was that guy's name? Uh, Lathrum, who who writes 60 years later. I mean, yeah. but some yeah, of the things so. the guy says is pretty consistent. For a, somebody who never joined the church and probably never read the Book of Mormon, the things that he recalls are like, oh, wow. That, yeah. yeah, that. I mean, that for hits. instance, yeah. where, where does the Jaredite interpreters, uh, you know, the brother of Jared's stones that the Lord gave him, how does King Mosiah get those? And there's no, we do not have that in our Book of Mormon at all, but um, Lathram remembers a, an instance of being told by Joseph Smith Sr. about how they got those. That's mm. kind of interesting. Yeah, that's cool. Anyway, it's kind of lame. We don't have the 116 pages, but we got the small plates of Nephi as a result. So, you know, we're fine. Um, we're, yeah, I think, I think the Lord's okay, like we, as we see in here. So if we're going to try to make section three relevant, how are you approaching it? So, so here's a, just a thought or two. I, I do, I love in verse one, God's purposes are not going to be frustrated, right? They're, they can't come to not. And you could definitely talk about you know, Nephi creating a second set of plates and Mormon including them and both of them saying, I don't exactly know why. I kind of thought we covered this. And then, you know, years later being up in heaven and, you know, God puts his arm around both of them and said, see, boys, you know, and they're like, oh, Martin, Joseph, no, you know. (laughs) I'm so glad you had us right too. Yeah. So, but the part I love, and and I I mean, this isn't certain new stuff, but this idea of fearing man you know, more than fearing God and, and how it kind of, again, God's purposes aren't going to come to naught, but it sure ends up being pretty frustrating for Joseph. Now, it's a great learning experience. One of the great overall lessons here is Joseph messed up, I, I would say, royally. Yeah. And it was fine. It's fine. God's fine. Joseph's fine. It's, it, if you'll use it right, it's a good training. Now, yeah. if Joseph continues to fear man more than God, this becomes a tragedy because it's going to be the right. beginning of the end for Joseph. But it, it just ends up being a learning thing. But, man, I want to have the students talk about why is it so hard to ignore the persuasions of your friends? Yeah. Why is it, or let's just analyze the situation. And I want to do two things. I want to talk about the influence of our friends and the influence of social media. And why are they so persuasive? And why do they have such an impact on us? And Why then, do we care I, so much? Why do we care so much? And then let's just compare it to what do we know about God that allows us to trust Him? You know? Yeah, and Joseph becomes a nice um, avatar for us if we will let him. You know, one of the things section one, again, says is that my servants will err and they will even sin. And there's a reason for that. And, and, and you should be learning and not judging. And so when we get in verse six, how often, Joseph, are you going to transgress the commandments and go after the persuasions of men? And if you want to start counting them, Joseph has made several mistakes that he's already documented. And, uh, and, and so, you know, he becomes, he's good. He's good standing for us. He's showing, if you've ever felt like, man, why do I keep making mistakes? Well, you're in good company with Joseph Smith. I think, and just like you, I thought what this section, if we really pull it apart, can do is it can help us diagnose why this, why this mistake is so bad. Like verses 12 or 11 through 15, talk about what's so bad about trusting in a, in a person over God. What's so bad about, you know, doing something that, I mean, how many of us and our youth have 
had an experience where whatever God has asked us to do, whether through the prophets, the scriptures, personal revelation, didn't make sense to us. And so we didn't do it because it didn't make sense to us. We didn't know how that was supposed to solve the problem or put us in the right position. And so we ignored it and we went another direction. Like that's such a common mistake I think all of us make, but the Lord is there to say, here's what you should have done in verses seven and eight. You should trust me. Martin Harris is threatening to stop helping Joseph. In Joseph's, and we forget, he's what, 21, 22? Yeah, he's, he's a kid. Yeah, yeah. He's, still a, he's still a young adult. And we forget that in Joseph's mind, Martin Harris, twice his age, he may have thought it, this is the only person in the world who is both willing and able to help me. You know, my parents are willing, but they're not able. This guy's got money, he's got influence, and he's threatening to quit on me. And if he does, then the work, oh, the work is going to fall apart. And the Lord's saying to him, um, you should have trusted me. And the, the ironic thing is Joseph's worried about losing Martin's health. Well, he does lose Martin's help. Like, that's the irony. But yeah. because of the last 116 pages, Martin's not a part of this anymore. Um, and as far as the financial support, Martin will come back into the picture a little bit later. But but the Lord will provide means. You should have trusted me. Yeah. And, then, and then the Lord goes on to talk about, you know, what, what this mistake would cost. But, but then he says, remember, though, verse 10, God is merciful. You can always repent. So yep. just do it. Just change and start trusting me again. You're still chosen. So, yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah. So then do you segue from that to four? I mean, like, is four another just different? You just kind of say next issue or yeah, do you connect the go, two? No, I'm going to go next issue. I mean, you, you can talk about this idea of being called versus being qualified for the callings that you have. Yeah. Um, your desires seem to call you to the work, but there's lots of little things we can work on. And I do love the idea of working on Christ-like attributes. That's what five and six are all about. Yeah, Faith, hope, charity, love, blah, blah, blah. Those are all Christ-like attributes. Just Google the Preach My Gospel Christ-like attributes activity, and mm-hmm. there's a sheet. And that's like a ready-made, here, do that with your students. It'll be yep. meaningful. Yep. Totally. Yep, yep, yep. You know, I, I, do, I did think about this, though, in section four. Um, is, is section four just about missionary work? You know, you've got... Right, yeah. It can't be, right? It can't, it can't be. But we use it for it because, you know, every missionary alive memorizes it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the context is Joseph Smith Sr. and Lucy are super worried about Joseph. Um, you know, Joseph almost, almost lost a baby and almost lost Emma, lost the 116 pages, and almost lost his soul, right? Like, this was a bad couple of months. And, uh, but, but now the storm's passed. Joseph's got the plates again. He's got the Urim Thummim. He's, he's working through and, and they're probably a relieved that, that all that's blown over and then B, so how can we help with the work? And, uh, you know, it, it's interesting when I went and I went to the BYU, so you go to scripture.byu.edu and it'll, mm-hmm. it'll bring you to the scripture citation index, which is basically all the scriptures and the standard works. And if a, if a prophet has, or, or a leader of the church has ever quoted it in general, conference, they've got it all indexed. Yeah, super so, useful. My it's gosh. super useful. I was interested. Verse one has not been quoted by anybody since like the forties. <laughs> that was interesting. But now uh, verse two, well, I, no, I take that back because Quitnell Cook quoted one in five, but just one on its own hadn't been quoted forever. Yeah. Quitnell Cook, he, he says an interesting thing in April, uh, 2019, he said he, he relates it to missionary work, of course, but these verses, he also relates to temple work, family history work, home-centered church-supported religion, ministering, and the hear him 
um, things that President Nelson's been saying. He used all that because this is, you know, after all those changes are made, he says Section 4 should be useful for us to involve ourselves in all the work of the church. All these attributes matter. And Christina Franco, who's the second counselor in the primary that, that, uh, really well-dressed Argentine, you know, leader. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2018, she said that uh, she connects this to the hastening of the Lord's work and our journey on the covenant path. So I do think there's more we can do than just say, all right, if you plan on serving a mission, this lesson's for you. You know, this this should be a part of everything we're trying to do because the Lord's work is certainly more... Uh, expansive than just putting on name tags and knocking on doors, and even more expansive than just uh, trying to invite your friends or your neighbors to meet with the missionaries or read the Book of Mormon. Like, yeah. there's there's more to all of this there's than that. There's a lot more to the work than that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, quick question. In ver- chapter section 4, verse 4, why do you think we consistently refer to the, the work of salvation, or uh, that's not the right way to say it, but why are we always talking about farming? <laughs> fields and farming and harvests and wh- wh- why that one? Why I suppose. They, why don't they say uh, as much like it's like building a building? I mean, they <laughs> build a tower in the New Testament, but you know well, what I mean. Because God's not talking to architects; He's talking to farmers. That's yeah, what yeah. I would guess. You know. Yeah, and there's a lot of things about farming. That's oh, not mine. It's not my pickup truck. Uh, <laughs> it, it is interesting that. If you understand farming, you understand time and planting seeds and, and, and fertilization. Knowing when to harvest. And and knowing when to harvest, and, and it's going to take a little patience. But what's interesting about verse 4 is the Lord is not saying you're coming in on the beginning of yeah. planting. You are coming into the harvest. It's already to harvest. The yeah. field is already to harvest. We're not just here to plant seeds. Basically, almost like God's saying, listen, when it comes to the dispensation of the fullness of times, we're not starting things, we're ending things. We're yeah. harvesting. This is about bringing people into the garners, bringing people into the temples. I've been working with the earth now for however many thousand years. It's ready to be harvesting. We've got Israel is ready to hear my voice. Yeah, yeah. we're gathering. It's time to gather. Hmm. Anyway, that's, whatever. That's interesting. Se- section five. What do you got? Section five. All right. So um, I think section five is a little bit of a test. Did you learn Joseph and Martin from section three? Um, and so one thing, and I was telling you about this this morning, that um, I taught my seminary students, like, gosh, 2013, uh, Elder Holland gave that really classic talk on John 21, where he kind of paraphrased the story of, uh, you know, Peter, do you love me more than this fish? You know, and, and he kind of says the whole story in his own words. He doesn't quote a lot of King James. It's a lot of uh, the, the New Testament, according to, you know, in the words of Elder Holland, and we love it, right? It's easier to follow. And so I got this new set of Doctrine and Covenants with huge margins, and I'm just going to translate my own words the whole the whole section the the whole Doctrine and Covenants. And uh, but but this is a fun thing to do with students is to say, all right, here's a couple of verses, and each verse I want you to just write out what it's saying in your own words. And so with section five, it's uh, you know the context is Martin Harris is back. There's now a lawsuit. Um, Lucy is threatening to sue Joseph for defrauding her husband out of all this money and time. And, you know, it's affecting her income too. And, uh, and she's even saying that if Martin won't join in the lawsuit against Joseph, she's going to prosecute him too. (laughs) She's going to come after him. And so once again, it's like, all right, Joseph, who are you going to fear? And so, you know, you, you start just, this is how I worded the first four verses. 
Um, so Mor- Martin wants to see the plates so he can know once and for all the truth. A, eh? <laughs> that's how I'd say it. Um, tell him this. Quote, God told me that I am to be the only witness right now, that I made a covenant not to show the plates to anyone until God tells me who and when. And right now, my focus should be solely on translating the plates. It's the only gift I'm given currently until the job is done. I'll keep going. This would be verse five. People need to be careful not to reject my words, says the Lord. They will uh, come they will come when I am sent out to deliver them. If they reject you, Joseph, then, and the words that you present through the revelations, then seeing the plates would not have mattered. This group of people kind of ticks me off because of their stubbornness and pride. Anyway, and so like you, you take them through and see, all right, so Joseph, they're going to sue you. Have you learned the lesson to trust me? And Martin, have you learned the lesson too? Because you both are actually being kind of taken to task there. Yeah, yeah. And and, uh, and so anyway, section five is cool for that. And, and Martin says, is told, you will be able to see the plates. You can be one of these special three witnesses, but the, you're, you're a long way from being ready for that. And here's some instructions for you on how to get ready. Yeah. How how do you make that one relevant? That's the thing. I I don't, I haven't looked at DNC five quite enough to have a good plan for next week. Quite yet. You know, there's, uh, again, I do like that Joseph has certain gifts at certain times and we probably do as well. There's certain, you know what I mean? Depending on if I'm a a full-time missionary or from a parent or whatever, you know, whatever it is, but... I think um, I do think that verse seven is super relevant when it comes to how faith works and um, you know knowledge works because yeah, yeah. you know verse seven says, "Behold, if they will not believe my words, they would not believe you, my servant Joseph. If it were possible, you should show them all these things which I have committed unto you." You know that's got the smell of sign seeking and and how if you know a person would say, "If you could just prove to me." such and such, then I'll believe. Well, actually, that's not how that works. It wouldn't even work. If Joseph, you know, you, you do a maybe a, 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 a counterfactual, is that the word? Counterfactual history, a mm-hmm. revisionist history, mm-hmm. where let's, let's imagine Joseph does. He goes to the biggest newspaper or whatever, goes to a museum and says, all right, here's the plates. I'm going to break the promise I made to God, whatever. I'm going to show you guys the plates. Do we get a million Mormons at that point? Is that what happens? Right. It didn't really do the effect that yeah. Yeah. In fact, what the Lord seems to be saying is they'll find another reason not to believe. Just because you have plates doesn't mean they're going to make covenants. And so they, if they won't hear my words, it doesn't matter if you show them the plates, they're not going to make covenants. So the end result will be the same. So I wonder if the relevance there for a teenager is to say, you know, think about the things that you are trying to get a testimony of. And uh, when the Savior says, where does he say it? In 3 Nephi 12, blessed are you because you have seen and believed, but more blessed, mm-hmm. more blessed are those who will believe who have not seen. Why? What, what is it about, you know, what does it take to believe or what does it take to see something? It takes eyeballs. Everybody has eyeballs. But yeah. what does it take to believe something you can't see? Uh, you have to qualify for the gift of the Holy Ghost. And that is actually what's going to bless you for eternity, not having eyeballs. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe that's something. No, I like that. I also, when you get down to 23 and 24, when basically God says, okay, Joseph, let's turn to Martin. Let's talk about Martin for a second. Yeah, back to Martin. He really, you know, gives it to him a little bit. Verse 24, he exalts himself, does not humble himself sufficiently before me. But if he will bow down before me and humble himself in my prayer, then yeah, he will get a chance to see it. What I love about, I mean, I see a connection with let God prevail in your life. 
Yeah. He's basically saying, Martin, it's not that I don't want you to be a witness, but you are still not a, totally allowing me to prevail in your life. Yeah. And Martin is called a wicked man in verse in section three, but he's called my servant in section five. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, we're complicated. It's like when my son, I can't remember what movie we were watching. He goes, but I thought that guy was a bad guy. I said, it's complicated, son. Everybody has the capacity to be a good guy and a bad guy. And it just depends on kind of when you're looking at him. So Martin Harris was a wicked guy in, in uh, section three. Right now he's a servant. We'll see what he is next time, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yep, there is also at the end, there's people who lie in wait to destroy, free, destroy thee from off the face of the earth. Um, basically, it's almost like God saying also, now listen, you guys, I know you're still trying to figure things out and you need to learn to trust me. You also need to know that, please trust me. <laughs> there's people yeah. who are wanting to wreck you. And if you'll trust me, I can help that not happen, but... And you, you know. can survive some mistakes, but if you persist in the mistakes and if you yes. refuse to repent, they're going to they're gonna destroy you. They're going to succeed. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So repentance is always relevant. All right, man. Jeez. 28 minutes. Woo! I think we gave all 18 of our listeners enough for now. Boy, howdy. Um, <laughs> hopefully uh, hopefully right. this is helpful. So let's call it. Let's call it. Time of Peace. death. All right. Peace. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of uh, Come Follow Me podcast. If you have any suggestions or comments or ideas or questions, please drop us a line at a comefollowmepodcast.com. Have a great week, everybody.